Open your Bible to Luke chapter 15. I'm not going to teach long this morning. We've already talked quite a bit this morning, but I do want to uh, uh, begin some thoughts that we may uh, finish up next week potentially. I want to teach on the idea of wanted, dead or alive. You know, you're marked. I don't know if you know this. But you've been marked. You are wanted in two different camps. Have you ever been uh, playing, we used to play a game called Red Rover, Red Rover. And, and the kids would get, and we'd line up, and we'd hold hands, and, and, and there, was, there was another group over there, and you'd run, and you'd try to run through the arms like, but, but what, what you're trying to do if you're holding arms with the other person is you're trying to clothesline them and, 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 and literally stop them from coming through there. So it was a wonderful game. But, we, but, but you'd have a, a schoolyard pick, you know. It'd be like, okay, I'm a team captain, you're a team captain, and we'd go through, and, and, and there was always somebody that everybody wanted on their team. And it's like you were wanted, or that person was wanted in both camps. I want to be on his team, I want to be on his team, but both teams are going, I want you to be on my team. So you're trying to maybe flip a coin to see who gets to pick first. But everybody wanted him on their team. Once you know you're marked, ma'am, sir, you're marked. The enemy of God wants to take your soul. The devil doesn't love you. He hates you. I'm looking around, most everybody in this room is saved. You've called on the name of the Lord. You will be saved, you are saved, you're going to go to heaven. But that didn't take the mark off of your head. What the devil wants to do now is he wants to slow you down and make you of no effect in this realm. He wants to get you uh, 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 slowed down with the drama of life so that you don't, so that you can't press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling. He wants to slow you down with a bunch of nonsense so that you forget and you lose sight of the prize a little bit and you begin to focus on the details of what's going on around you instead of focusing on kingdom things that's trying to make Jesus' name famous and nobody's mad at anybody. Everybody, I'm not immune to it. It happens to me too. But you're marked. He's trying to get you off track. He's trying to get you thinking about this and thinking about that instead of staying singularly focused on the one who has saved your soul. Because if you can just keep your eyes stayed on Him, the Bible says He will keep you in perfect peace. But you're marked. You're marked by God too. The Bible says there was a woman named Rahab. And whenever it came time for the Israelites to take the great city called Jericho, where the Bible says that the walls could not be defeated by man, but man didn't have to defeat them. The walls were so great that nobody could get through there. So we sent some spies in. Joshua said, you guys, I need some spies to go in there and find out what's going on. And it got news in, in Jericho that there were some spies. They went to www.jerichonews.com and there was these pictures of the Israelite uh, spies and they were saying, you know what? Uh, if you see these guys, let us know because we're going to kill them because they shouldn't be in here. But the Bible says that they go into a home and it's a lady named Rahab who has a, a very speckled past and they get into her house and they get into her house or her apartment and it's kind of on the wall side of things and they get in there and they said, can you hide us? He said, yes, I'll hide you. But the only way that I will hide you is 
is if you make sure that me and my family will be safe because I know God is with you. We've heard all about how you guys came out of Egypt and the sea was parted in front of you and you came over here and, and the Jordan River was parted in front of you and God fed you manna. We don't even know what manna is, but God fed it to you and God fed you quail when you wanted that and He made water come out. We've heard all about you guys. I know God is with you and the only way I'm going to hide you, the only way I will risk my neck is that when God gives you the victory that you have to make sure that my family doesn't perish. The Bible says that when Jesus saves you, that He will in turn save you and your whole house. Rahab said, you got to save me and my family. They said, fine. But we've got to know, we've got to be able to tell everybody where you are. So we're going to have to mark your house. What we need you to do is take this scarlet thread and hang it from your window. And when we come, when the great Israelite warriors come through the walls that God will crumble to the ground in front of us, when we come, we will know because of the red thread that you have been marked for salvation. When the angel of death came over Egypt on that dreadful night, the last of the plagues that caused Pharaoh's heart to melt in his chest and release the Israelites with all the gold and silver that they could carry. The Bible says that God uh, had the Israelites put blood on the top of the doorpost and blood on the side of the doorpost. And when death came calling, he was able to look down and see there are some homes here that have been marked and I can pass over them. You've been marked by the enemy to try to be slowed down and put aside. But oh, thank God, Rahab, and thank God, you New Testament Israelite, you have been marked with the crimson blood of a spotless Savior, and when death comes calling on me, and when death comes calling on you, it's simply going to pass over, not because of what we've done in this life, but because of what He did in this life. Amen. You've been marked. You're wanted, dead or alive. Here in the scripture we see a story of a father who has two sons. I'm one of three boys. I can relate a little bit. These boys didn't always get along. We'll begin in verse number 8, Luke chapter 15. These boys didn't always, excuse me, 11. These boys didn't always get along, verse number 11. The Bible says a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that's fallen to me. Give me my inheritance now. And the Bible says that the father divided his inheritance. Now, there's an interesting thing about inheritance in this day and age, especially in the Hebrew uh, custom, the oldest son would get twice as much as the next. So the, the younger son was probably a little bit bitter about that. So he got... Half as much as the other brother. But the Bible says that he divided and gave to them, which means the older brother got his too that day. And the younger son took his inheritance, and the Bible says the next day he got out. Not many days after, he went and gathered all together and took his journey to a far country. Everybody say far country. And they waste, there he wasted his substance with riotous living. Word riotous in the Greek is... Uh, a word that's, uh, it can easily be referenced with sexual uh, promiscuity, very unclean life. And when he had spent all, 
there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. He got away from his father's house, and he began to be in want. Now, here's the interesting thing. The Bible says that God will make you like a tree planted by the rivers of water that will bring forth, that leaf won't wither, but it will bring forth its fruit in its season. That's Psalm 1-3, in its season. You know, I have three children. Uh, Walker Lee, uh, he's, he's six years old, and he's kind of a, he's kind of a pistol. He, he's really just a, he's a go-getter. He loves hunting and fishing, and, and fishing and hunting. He loves them, just loves it. Uh, but uh, it's not time for him uh, to be given uh, his very own uh, Jeep or his very own pickup truck. Not because I don't love him, not because I can't trust him, but because he is six years old. He can't be driving around. Well, the thing is, the Bible says that God will make you like a tree whose fruit will come to pass in its season. You see, the Bible says there are seasons and times for everything. Uh, A lot of times we sit there and we wonder, Oh God, I wish I could do this. Oh God, I wish I could do that. And God's up there going, Hey, there's a season coming when that's going to happen. But if I did it for you right now, Hey, it could be some real problems that you don't know about because the Bible says we see through a, a glass darkly, but God sees the end from the beginning. So He's seeing the whole thing play out in front of us but he's a good father who knows how to make good decisions just the same way as I wouldn't give my son something that would be dangerous for him now that might not be dangerous for him later I know the season of life he's in and when the right season gets here I'm going to bless him in that area but if he comes asking me for something and he gets it it's going to mess him up more than it helps him so he says to the young son, he says, he says look, he says, here's, here's exactly what you asked for. You can have it. And, and I'm going to paraphrase for the sake of time for the next few minutes. But he goes and he just wastes it all. And he goes to a foreign country. He goes away from his father's house. He goes out and he gets away from the things that he knows. He gets away from the things that he's, he's been exposed to his whole life. He gets away from the ideologies of his father's doctrine and the, and the good-naturedness of his father and his household and his home, even his older brother. And he gets out. And when he gets out there, he, he, gets, he, he gets flat broke and busted. And he joins himself to somebody else, becomes a servant of somebody else in a foreign land. Some of you can relate to this because you woke up one day and you said, oh my goodness gracious, who am I even serving if I'm not serving God? I find myself away from everything that, that I realize is accurate and true and I'm just, I just woke up, you just wake up and you're like, what, who am I even serving right now? And that man who he worked for made him feed the pigs. Now, it's not that big a deal to me or you. But to a young Jew, to feed pigs, you couldn't eat pig, you couldn't touch pig, you couldn't be around pig, pork was unclean, you couldn't have anything to do with it. And here he is, uh, uh, this wealthy young man who had gotten all his inheritance, he'd gone and squandered all of it, and now the Bible says he's staring at what the pigs were eating, wishing he could eat the slop that the hogs were eating. He finds himself away from God. He finds himself far from his father's house. Verse 17. This is when it starts to shift. But the Bible says he came to himself. How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough to spare, yet I perish? 
I will arise and I'll go to my father and I will say unto my father, I've sinned against heaven and before thee. I'm not worthy to be called your son anymore. Just make me like a servant. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was a long ways off, his father had compassion, ran to him and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to his father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. And I'm no more worthy to be called your son. The father didn't even answer that part. He spoke to his servant and said, Bring me the best robe you've got. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. I don't have time to really do this, but I'm going to hit these three points. That word robe is a very interesting word in the Greek. It literally means a garment of a priest or a king or somebody of very high stature signifying who they were. This young man had been barefoot, feeding hogs for God knows how long. And he came to himself. He came to himself. I mean, he began to realize that he's in the likeness and image of God himself. And when you realize who you are, then you begin to have the ability to make a shift in your life and repentance begins. And when you begin to repent, when you begin to turn to God, God begins to come after you. Because the Bible says if we'll draw near to Him, then He'll draw near to us. That father was looking down the road and he sees his son coming. The Bible says he runs out to him, falls on his neck. Could you imagine the hug that only a father or a mother could give? Son or daughter who's been lost. He said, the first thing I want done is cover my son's sin. I want him identified as a child of mine and not what he thinks he is. Because it matters far less what you think of you as it does what he thinks of you. He said, go get a ring and put it on his finger. Now the ring's very interesting. Because in those days, it would be how you would seal something. Sometimes you would take, they would take a, a, a letter and they would fold it and they would drip wax on it and they would take the ring which would have a signet on it and they would press that ring into the wax and that would seal it and that would say, this is from my house. Other times they would take and that's how they would sign something. If you had that signet, uh, it was a unique thing to your family, especially if you were a prestigious family. You could press it onto something with ink and it would sign and it would say it, meaning this was literally like handing his son the black American American Express credit card and saying, now you've got all my power behind you, son. I don't want to hear anything else. Everything I have is at your disposal. He said, I just want to be a servant in your house. And go, great, I appreciate the heart. And that is how the heart needs to be. That's how you should act. That is exactly right. But you're my son. Here's your ring. Anything you want. If you say it, it's like I said it. Finally, he says to him, Put shoes on his feet. Ephesians 6 says that we should be shod with the gospel of peace. Could you imagine walking barefoot in the Middle East? Sun beating down on you, rocks, 
I don't know if they have scorpions, but whatever, maybe they do. All kind of things. His feet probably looked like they'd been through a meat grinder. See, the first thing I want to do is put some Air Jordans on this uh, this boy right here. I want to make sure he's comfortable. I'm going to get to the other brother later. But he said something very interesting. He said, Dad, I'm not worthy to be your son. And he was right. But here's the great thing. It didn't have to do with his experiences or his choices. It had to do with the Father's love for him.